You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Have you ever just thought about this? Like, were, were you shocked to find that there were objections to Christianity? Has that ever occurred to you? Now, as a person listening to this podcast, almost certainly it has, and you've been through that. And I want you to kind of take yourself back to that moment, that first time when you realized that something was not right, that 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 whatever you had been believing, and maybe you're the kind of person who you grew up in the faith, that was my testimony, which I'll share in just a moment. You know, I was the kind of person who grew up in the faith, and maybe that was you. And when you grew up, around the context of Christianity, at some point, you, you, you sort of discovered, right, the secret that, um, that, that not everybody believes that Christianity is true and um, that, that actually there are some objections, some good and some bad. And I'm, I'm prompted to speak about this, um, this topic because we're, we're nearing Easter as I record this. Easter is coming up this weekend. And um, a lot of times... A, a popular notion that gets traded on around Easter time, be it um, the, the History Channel, or I actually saw a commercial this morning for something on Fox News talking about this, and then um, you've got tabloids. Everybody starts getting interested in the historical figure of Jesus around Easter time. And unfortunately, right, many of these uh, publications and these um, exposés, so to speak, History Channel or whatever, what they'll try to do is they will try to separate the Jesus of history from the Jesus of the Bible. Bart Ehrman has taken this tack from a more scholarly approach, um, but others like you know Dan Brown and just you know History Channel. Again, there are lots of times where where people want to separate out Jesus as an impactful figure of history from the Jesus that is represented to us in the Bible, and a lot of people, right? Like may like maybe again, you've got Christians and 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 they maybe have never thought about their faith deeply, and this might be the catalyst moment for them as they're checking out in the grocery line or they're just you know unassumingly watching um, their favorite show on the History Channel or whatever, and then they see a commercial that comes up, or as the case this morning, like literally just sitting down watching Fox News, which I was not doing; it was only on uh, because I was in a he uh, was getting a tire inspection or excuse me a a van inspection this morning. Um, so it was on, and it was in the waiting room, and I couldn't help it. But over here, what they were talking about, right, the historical Jesus. And this could be the first time that a, a believer or, or, you know, again, just a person in your life maybe hears that there are objections to Christianity. And what I want to do is just offer a little bit of um, en encouragement for you, um, and also if if you have the opportunity to speak into the life of another believer, maybe it's a young believer, maybe it's an old believer, who knows? And they start to ponder these things. Um, you know, maybe in your life you can you can give them the, some direction and uh, somewhere to start, somewhere to to go. Um, I'll say again for me briefly. I don't tell my testimony very often. Um, I do tell it um, um, in terms of like when I first discovered the importance of critical thinking and 
the importance of apologetics. I share it often when I am on uh, other podcasts, you know, when I'm interviewed, but I, uh, I don't share it very often here. So I thought I would take just a moment to share what that was like for me. So again, I grew up in the church. I was saved and truly saved, I believe, at four years old, um, understood the gospel. I remember uh, the moment like it was yesterday. I was there and um, since then I, I've, I've been walking with the Lord and uh, I just, I wasn't really in a context where critical thinking was a priority. Certainly the Bible was a priority and certainly, you know, again, a love of Jesus was, was a priority um, in those circles. Um, but thinking clearly about our faith was not. In fact, and, and it's no slight, you know, I, uh, I, I still respect my, my former pastor from back in those days quite a bit. Again, saved under his ministry, really appreciate everything about it. But I, I did hear him say one time, um, he made a statement that, uh, you know, I don't ever like to read books by atheists. I just read books by Christians because I don't need any of that mess in my life. Well, okay. I mean, certainly I guess there's a sense in which that's true. But then if you don't look at the materials of the other side, right, how do you know whether your beliefs actually stand up to scrutiny, right? And and, and so I like to, to dive head on into those challenges and, um, really get a feel for that myself, right? Are they coming with good objections? Is this really true? We want to know that. But I, I didn't really give any thought to that at the, at the time. So it was about 2014 now, um, and I was working a job, and I was, I was out, I was driving around, and um, I just had this thought. I, you know, at the time, I was feeling like I had, a, like God wanted me to become a preacher um, or, or an evangelist or a pastor. I didn't quite know what. But I felt like God wanted me to do something in ministry long term. And um, the, the prospect just suddenly came over me that, oh, man, like, am I getting ready to, I mean, I've already, you know, been a Christian for this long, but now I'm, you know, I'm sort of potentially, I didn't know at the time, right, what I was going to do, but, but, but potentially going into this with, with, with my sights on full-time ministry. And I'm thinking, am I about to devote my life to sharing with others a message that I don't even know for sure is true for myself? And so, um, like a good millennial, I Googled, well, did Jesus really exist, right? Because I didn't, I didn't know, did anybody else beyond me think this way, you know, or, or of course beyond me, but, but in my circles, like, was it just this weird one little patch of society that thought about this person, Jesus, and, and, and were our beliefs corroborated at all by people outside of the immediate Christian tradition that I was, you know, raised in? And of course... Like I said, good millennial. I Googled it. I found a pretty satisfactory answer in, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I thought, okay, good enough for me. I got to get back to work. Uh, that's it. And that's the last I thought of it. And then, I don't know how much later, but but later, weeks, months, maybe, um, I found myself wandering around in Goodwill. Me and my wife, we have good had a Goodwill in the town where we were living at the time. And uh, she liked to go in there from time to time. Went in there and, uh, you know, what am I going to do, right? I don't want to look at clothes. I don't care to look at the old beat up furniture. And the technology in there, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a tech nerd and whatever, and the technology in there is like from 1998. So I'm not doing that. So I was looking at the books. And at the time, I was not a reader. You know, growing up, I was always the kind to, re you know, watch the movie instead of reading the book. And I was just, uh, you know, thumbing through some different things. And I, I came across a book called The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. And I picked it up and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And what I found was that he, the book explored eight of the most common objections to Christianity. And um, 
So I checked it out. I, I read it and I was enthralled. Again, I think this might have been only the second book that I ever read just because I wanted to, right? Like I had had to read things in school growing up, but I always hated it. The only book before that that I had read was a new Atkins for the new you taught me all about a low carb lifestyle. And that book changed my life. So I thought, man, you know, if I can read a book and experience true life change, you know, that's pretty cool. And the same thing happened with the case for faith. My life in a good way turned upside down. And in a sense, that was the beginning of the end. You know, here we are years later, gosh, nine years, eight, nine years later. That's hard to believe. I guess, yeah, seven, eight, nine, whatever. I'm still not good at math. Uh, years later, and, uh, you know, doing online ministry stuff and having opportunities to teach others about this sort of thing in church. And it's just really, really, it's really, really sweet. So, so there was definitely that time when I was shocked to find that there were objections to Christianity. And I've since learned that we can quite rationally hold to the historic Christian faith in spite of those objections. And so what I want to offer today are just three very simple, I mean, these are not, these are not profound, but they're the kind of directives, the kind of tips, the kind of whatever that, um, that we need to be reminded of regularly in our own life, in our own study, and probably with things, frankly, that go beyond what happens when you find objections to Christianity. But, but then also this might be just a way for you to, to maybe calm somebody else down or help give somebody else assurance if they come to, to the place where they are doubting Christianity and they ask you about it, hey, have you ever wondered about this? Um, you know, you can say, yes, I actually have wondered about it. And, and here, here are three things that I learned in my, in my study that I think you could apply to yours as well and, uh, and, and that might help. So I want to give you what those three are really quick, okay? All right, the first of those is to slow down, just to slow down. Okay, now what do I mean by that? Well, whenever you start to encounter objections, a lot of times your mind starts racing. And, and, and actually, um, you, know, you know, people get worried, people get anxious. In, in debates, a lot of times debaters will capitalize on this. What they'll do is they'll start hurling, or even in intense conversations, it doesn't have to be a debate. They'll do what's often called elephant hurling, right? And that's raising questions and problems and considerations and things before um, the other side is actually even given a chance to consider the options or, or to hear them out or, or to think through the objections, okay? And so what, what I want to encourage is not to get into anything like that. In fact, I want you to go the opposite route. I, I, I want you to slow down or I want you to, to help advise them to just, to just slow down, okay? Like, Again, maybe it's this crisis moment where they're, I mean, you know what I'm talking about here, where it's like, I've never heard this objection to, like, what about evil and God? And, and, and what about, well, maybe the Gospels do have contradictions and, and all these different things. Again, slow down one issue at a time. These are things that can be worked through methodologically, slowly, and, and there's no need to be, to be in a rush, right? If God's word is true, and it is. If God exists, and he does. If Jesus is the Savior, and he is then there's nothing to worry about. The Bible can handle our questions. God is not afraid of our questions. The worst thing someone could do is say, no, well, God doesn't appreciate your questions. God doesn't like being questioned. Well, excuse me, tell that to the Bible writers, okay? Job seemed to feel like he was in a place where he could ask God why. Now, yes, Job experienced some correction on 
you know, from God, but it wasn't just because he was wondering why, right? His, his friends contributed to it and there was a lot going on. It's okay to ask why. I mean, even Jesus, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, uh, excuse me, but the flesh is weak. John the Baptist going through turmoil and hardship, and, and he even asks and questions, you know, why, you know, is, is Jesus the real deal or not? And Jesus says, you know, very calmly, you know, look, go back and tell, tell John of the evidence, right? Tell John of the evidence. So again, slow down. The information is there. Now, the second thing is to, okay, once you, once you, you slow down, you've calmed down, you've got the information. Now begin to think carefully. Okay. Just, just think carefully. Now, careful thinking is something that comes over time. And I, I find that a lot of people that I've encountered who have gotten into apologetics were prior to getting into apologetics, not clear thinkers at all. And this is my testimony. Again, remember, like I, I didn't understand philosophy. I didn't understand the art of making distinctions. I didn't understand anything about logic. I had no idea what modus ponens or modus tollens was, or a mixed hypothetical syllogism, or, you know, logical fallacies, or, or the laws of logic. I didn't know about any of this stuff. And these are all things that really help you to think more clearly. There are ways, of course, to, um, to, to learn how to start thinking more carefully, right? This is where, and this is what I did, right? You can get into some podcasts. You can start checking out YouTube videos of good Christian thinkers or suggest them to them. You know, you can start reading books. Again, reading books is a fantastic way to get the logic of an author completely down. But that's the point. Slow down and then think carefully. Don't just breeze through it. Ask good questions. Greg Kogel's book, Tactics, is a fantastic book, not only for engaging with other people, but frankly, just even engaging with yourself, with your own thought life, you know, learning how to ask those really good questions. So again, I encourage you to check that out. The third and final thing is to study deeper. And really what I mean here is to, is to study the Bible deeper. Go deeper with the Bible than you've ever gone before. Again, take it slowly, think through it carefully, and then just go deeper, right? Um, pushing, into, uh, pushing into the faith, right? Instead of backing out. That, that's what I find is such an issue for people. It's like if you back out and you draw away, and you spend less time in the believing community, and you spend less time in prayer, of course you're going to drift away. Because again, this is not some slave to master relationship that we're supposed to have with God. It's a father-son relationship, a father-daughter relationship. And in a relationship, when you don't pay any attention to it, guess what? It goes downhill. It starts to feel less real. And imagine, I mean, if that's true with, with people in your life, you know, your spouse or your kids or whomever, don't you think it's true with God whom we can't even see? Right? We interact with God, of course, but we can't see him. So um, it, it's an important consideration. Study deeper. And again, what I mean is study the Bible deeper. Seek to, to, to take that actual relationship level to the next level. You know, I, I encourage you, and this, this sounds taboo in some apologetics you know, circles, but, you know, I believe it. You know, the, the, the thought life and the faith life, the knowledge, you know, the, the, that, that, the life of the mind is a separate thing from the life of the relationship with God. Now, they work together, of course, and they inform each other. But if God's been good to you in your life and you know the God who is there and, and you've got that 
reinforcement right from the Holy Spirit who 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 um who seeks to actually you know reveal himself to you um and and give you that assurance of faith as the Bible talks about then then place that over here for a minute, you know, uh, you know, put, put it to the side and then say, okay, we're going to explore the facts and the evidence over here. And now what the apostle Paul said is that if the, if Christ is not raised, if the evidence actually doesn't say that, that God exists and that Christ is, is the savior and that Christ was raised, then our faith is in vain and we are yet in our sins. Um, so yes, the facts can inform the feelings, but they're different things. I actually wrote an article on this on faith versus facts versus versus feelings. That if you're wondering about this, I would very highly encourage you to go to my website, steveshram.com, and check that article out. It really helps make the distinction between these things because they are not the same. And um, frankly, categorizing them into different boxes could be a helpful exercise. So to review, were you shocked to find objections to Christianity or is someone you know going through this sort of thing? If so, Again, slow deep, uh, slow down, think carefully, and then study deeper, and it'll help you or your friend or your family member, whoever it is, work through these issues. All right, that's all for today's episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Appreciate you joining me. Excited about the future, and I can't wait to see you guys on the very next episode. Happy Easter. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. So glad and happy for it. And we can have salvation through him because of that wonderful sacrifice that he gave for us. Let's remember that this Easter. Have a great time with family. Love you, and we'll catch you soon.